John, I can't tell you how excited I am about the Cinephile's new sponsor, an absolutely incredible game, Marvel Strike Force. Now, anyone who's listened to the show knows that I've been reading comic books since I was five years old, and this is like a comic book fan's dream come true. You could create a mobile squad and play as your favorite Marvel characters. I mean, everyone is there. The Punisher, Vision, Black Panther, Cap, or even my favorite Marvel character of all time, Daredevil. Your goal is to power up those characters, unlock gear, and use them to compete in player versus player mode, alliance mode, and real-time arena. Yes, Stephen, as we speak, they are enjoying their six-year anniversary. Six years, wow. And you know what that means? Free stuff just for signing up via their unique link in the description. The anniversary consists of weekly events and bonuses. If you complete each event, you can receive special rewards and skins. Completing every single mission throughout the entire anniversary will result in an even more special reward. Make sure to log in each day and each week to take advantage of all the new characters that are being released specifically for this event. This will be Marvel Strike Force's most generous event to date, so don't miss out, y'all. Check out that unique promo code, and for every new user, please follow our link in the description and use the promo code MAXPOOL. Once again, Thank you so much to Marvel Strike Force. We're very, very excited to have you sponsoring this episode. Hello, Cinephiles fans. This is John Roca, and this is Steve Morris. <laughs> and this is an unusual preview that we're doing this week because we're very excited to be doing a Cinephiles live episode this weekend on Sunday at 4 p.m. PT to talk about Rocky Four and the director's cut as well as the original cut and give it some love here. Steve are you excited about this? I mean, uh, as a director, <laughs> is there so much to talk about here? How much are you looking forward to having this uh, live episode with the Cinephiles fans to talk about Rocky IV and the director's cut version? What, what's so funny is, so you've seen the the new one, right? I did, yes. I, went I have not The yet. night it was in. Oh, really? Yeah. So okay. I'm probably going to watch it tonight or tomorrow night. Mm -hmm. And I... And I have a lot of trepidation. <laughs> I have a lot of excitement. Um, Rocky Four has never. The things I love about Rocky Four, I totally love. Yes, it's also like kind of a big montage music video thing. It doesn't have. It's so funny because Rocky's my favorite. The because right. like, that has the heart. But Rocky Four is a whole lot of a lot, and I have no, literally, no idea what Stallone did. Well, and this is what's going to be curious for us to talk about on the show because. I think you're going to enjoy what Stallone did. I did not, 100%. Mm. So a lot of people said it's the director's cut. Yes, usually it means a longer movie, but not necessarily the case right. in this. He took out a lot of the montages, and so oh. I wonder if the things that, you, that bothered you about the film back in the 80s or since you've seen it are now gone, and so you can maybe even like the film now in this version. So it's going to be fun to discuss it with you and discuss it with our cinephile fans as well. Well, it, it, it's so interesting because, first of all, when it came out, make no mistake, I loved it. Mm -hmm. I sure. thought it was fantastic. It was only, you know, and particularly when I went through my snoo snooty film school stage <laughs> that I started to reject it. But trimming the montages seems crazy to me. The, mm -hmm. the, the training montage where you're going back and forth with him and Drago, that's one of the greatest montages ever made, yeah, bar well. none. Some are in, some are out, so be curious to see what you think and curious to hear what our fans think uh, uh, as we have this live episode of The Cinephiles on Sunday, this Sunday at 4 p.m. PT. And Steve, where can people go if they want to buy Rocky Four, at least the original version, ahead of time? 
Well, all they have to do is go to cinephiles.net where they can buy or stream every single movie we've ever reviewed through Amazon Prime. And a lot of people have questions about this. They go like, well, what do I do? And it's like literally every episode we've ever done is up on cinephiles.net. And on every single episode page, there's just a single button to click, and it'll take you to Amazon Prime if you're a member, and you can stream those films. But you could also use cinephiles.net to buy that new TV. Maybe you're interested in some stuffed animals or some beautiful clothes you want to pick up. Every single thing you buy should obviously start at cinephiles.net. Why? Because we get 11 cents off of those purchases, <laughs> and we could really use the money. Absolutely. I love gumballs. Uh, there you go. So, <laughs> so join us 4 p.m. PT on Sunday live on the Cinephiles YouTube channel for our conversation about Rocky IV, the original cut, and comparing it to Rocky IV, the director's cut. I think if you're a Rocky fan, even a mild Rocky fan, I think you're going to enjoy this discussion. We'll see you then. Dude, dude, dude. I do like the opening music. Now, I've, you know, it's it's kind of a, it's it went from love hate to love with the music now because I loved it at first when you first selected it, and then I started to hate it in the last couple of years. But recently, I've fallen back in love with it, and adding that little bit of video kind of helps me like it even more. Uh, <laughs> hello, I've everyone. Thought about changing it. I've thought. You- I mean, you don't know how much <laughs> music I listen to to find oh. something. Oh yeah. To find well, I mean, it's one. like yeah. Well, it's like, and, and the ending one too, it's like I, I wanted oh, yeah. it to be fun, but have sort of a classic feeling. And it also has to have a slight build and a way that it can pull out. And, yeah. Yeah. you know, I mean, yeah. So, but, but I, I, I'm happy to change it up. Yeah. We're always open to things and, you know, yeah. we'll be, we'll be, um, and Steve and I are going to have some conversations uh, about merchandise and stuff very soon. So, for people who, oh, but, but anyway, let's get into what. Hello, welcome everybody. Hi, to how the, you doing? The Cinephiles Live uh, brought to you here by the Cinephiles on their Cinephiles YouTube channel. We are the Cinephiles. I'm the outlaw John Roca, writer, producer, and host in San Diego, and my uh, co-host here, Steve Morris. I'm a filmmaker and directing instructor, and uh, what else do I do? That's what I do. I podcast yeah, too, and I'm in LA. Well. That's right. That's right. And we got a lot of stuff uh, we're going to talk about today, but we we are jumping into. Rocky Four, the director's cut and the original cut, talking about the comparisons. And we had planned this out months ago because of the big release of the director's cut of Rocky Four. But certain things got in the way. We would have done it last month, possibly as our live um, Cinephiles live episode, but we had to push it. And now we're doing it this month. So hopefully, all of you watching still remember seeing the director's cut and, of course, still remembers the original cut. We're going to get into it. And we thought it would be a brilliant idea because Steve is a director. And I'm an avid lover of Rocky IV. And so kind of those things coming together to have a discussion about what is, and Steve's also an editor. So he would be, you know, he'd be aware of how to cut these things and make it look a certain way and have a completely different narrative. So we thought we'd have a fun conversation on the Cinephiles Live in this December about both of those cuts. So, uh, and remember the Streamlabs and Super Chats are open. I will pin the uh, Streamlabs address there for you to send in donations and support and your questions as well for whatever you want us to talk about and answer here on the show. And hopefully a lot of you are Rocky, avid Rocky fans, or at least avid fans of directors and editors, and you can chime in with your thoughts on it all. But first, Steve Morris, what is your overall relationship with the character of Rocky Balboa and the franchise of Rocky? So so just first, I want to say yeah. that the uh, Jack Moon, who's in the comments, oh, yeah. 
he sings along to the music every single time the show opens. So, you know, we got at least one vote for the right. music. Um, my that. connection to Rocky is deep. Okay. Real deep. I mean, we obviously did it on the show years ago. Yes. Those who paid attention to the show know that I know that The Champ is the first movie that you cried at. Yes. Rocky is the first movie I cried at. Right. I think the original Rocky is one of not just one of the great sports movies of all time. It's one of the great movies of all time. I have such deep, deep affection for the character of Rocky Balboa. And I'll tell you something. I actually think mm -hmm. with the possible exception of Toy Story, okay. I think that the Rocky franchise might be the most consistently good. Wow. Of it. Not that it's all good, but if like if you look at the Star Wars movies, mm -hmm. the, the, the record is not great. You yes. know, you look at the James Bond movies, the record is not great. Right. You look at the Matrix movies, the record is not great. Oh, yeah. You know, but you look at Rocky and you can say Rocky 1 is a great film. Yes. Rocky 2 is good. Yeah, Rocky okay. 3, I adore. Right. Rocky 4 is Rocky 4. <laughs> you know, Rocky 5, Rocky 5, not good. Okay. Yes. Rocky Balboa, good. Yes. The first Creed movie, really, really good. And Creed 2 is good. Right. I mean, that's right. for a franchise. That's a really, really good record. I agree with you. And if you're in a position where you're like, well, uh, the franchise doesn't change. Well, Creed came along and changed the franchise while still keeping connected yep. to the uh, to the origins of the franchise with Stallone and the character Rocky Balboa being involved in both of those films. Now we're really seeing something that is rare where a franchise switches leads yeah. and completely cuts itself off almost from its foundation. We will not have Sylvester Stallone or Rocky Balboa in this new Creed film that uh, Michael B. Jordan will be starring in and directing. It will be very much his story. Yes, will it still have conversations about Rocky, conversations about Apollo for sure, but we're not going to see anybody and everybody is dead. Talia is right. dead. Paulie is dead. Rocky's not dead, but we don't know what condition Rocky is in. Um, and so this is very much its own thing. So, yeah, I agree with you. It's such an unusual franchise in terms of its its overall success uh, and the fact that it still resonates all these years later yeah. and the fact that it's making this really bold move of switching its stars. You can't even say that about Star Wars because in the sequel trilogy, they brought back Han, Luke, and yep. Leia for three films. This is very much its own path that it's walking, and it's a rarity, and that speaks volumes to the kind of power this franchise still has with the general public. You know, as, as I hear Steve people complaining uh, online uh, to me about my comments about West Side Story saying, oh, it's an old film. It's an old thing. It's a Rocky is 1976. Is that correct? Yep. 1976. That is almost five. It's over five decades ago or almost five decades ago. So that's crazy to think about that. It still resonates with people nowadays. Well, the other thing about Rocky is you think about the franchises, all the yeah. other franchise I named, except for Toy Story, which is animation, they're yeah. all action adventure stories. Right. Rocky, the first Rocky is a drama. And yes. that's and that's one of the interesting things, too, um, is that Rocky is as is a 70s film. It yes. is ambiguous, it is subtle, it is a character study, it mm -hmm. is slowly paced, it 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 doesn't follow just the classic rules of story, although it is a fantastic story. Yes. Rocky Four, which we're obviously going to talk a lot about today, that is as 80s as you can get. Yeah. You know, yeah. and so you have this move, and then you go, you know, Creed, man, that goes back to being a drama. Yes. And, and so and, and that is so unusual for a series. Yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah, exactly. Everything Steve said, 100 percent agree. Uh, as for my journey with Rocky, when you're a fat uh, um, kid who's being bullied all the time, 
Rocky is your underdog hero. He's your underdog idol at the time that I was growing up. And so seeing the first Rocky, I was still the bullied kid. Seeing the second Rocky, I was still the bullied kid. The third Rocky, I start to glimpse the possibility. And the fourth Rocky is when I've really kind of come into my own. So there's a, there's a connection here for me with the character that goes bone deep because it's an underdog character, because it's a character that nobody thought could do anything because it's a character that had suffered so much and to find what he needed, he's always overcoming obstacles, always overcoming people saying can't do it or the mountain's too big or whatever. And so I feel for my own personal connection uh i feel that there with uh with rocky i feel that you know i live and breathe with what he goes through and i kind of apply that to my life i mean i don't know how many times i listened to rocky or watched a scene before i went into a match in the show sure. so it's just like it's that kind of thing you, know, you can't beat dan merle you can't beat the undefeated smokes you can't beat beyond all these things you just kind of like you move them into your life and you it's your it's your path and your process and your repetitive and your repetitive nature. So when it took a turn into Creed, I was really not sure if it was going to work. Especially because I'm not one of those people that liked Rocky Balboa. I know a lot of people do. I'm not the biggest fan of it, but I was sh- worried that we were going to get the same old cheesy stuff. Even though I know Coogler was directing, and when right. I saw that film, I walked out of the film going, "Not that's incredible." Yeah, and right. It is below. It is Rocky and Creed for me. That's the one two in the franchise. As Steve pointed out, two of the films that are the most dramatic. It, it it might be for me too, and what what yeah. I think is so good, and obviously we're not here. Creed is not the topic of our discussion. Very true, but, but we're just talking. Yeah. What what I think is so amazing about it is it managed to totally capture an essence of Rocky. Yeah, and totally create a world that was new. You know, yes. yeah, and, and do them both really, really, really well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And you can. Have, but but we're, as as Steve said, we're here to talk about Rocky Four. This has been numerous decades in the making remember the first uh, the rocky four rather came out in what 1985 i believe that's correct yeah. 1985 uh i'm 15 years old steve is maybe a little bit older than that but i i'm sitting there and i'm watching this film and i immediately fell in love with it and i will tell you this i don't know why people bash this film and love rocky three it makes no sense rocky three is just as cheesy and the villain is one dimensional and has no political ramifications so to me, I've never understood why people are like, oh, yeah, Rocky 3 is cool, but Rocky 4 is cheesy. I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? They're both equally cheesy, but endearing in their own unique ways. You know, I mean, Clubber Lang being the really un- overwhelming obstacle for him uh, and the fact that he is a guy who's just like him. He's hungry. He's reminding him that he's gotten too soft. He's gotten too set in his ways. And then we and then of course the passing of Mickey in that movie and it brings uh and then Apollo comes into the mix and trains him and gets him going. I mean, is there anything cheesier than them dancing around the ocean in Rocky Four? I don't think so. So we go to Rocky. That's my opinion. We go to Rocky Four though. We have to kind of raise the stakes. If you're gonna wait, 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 wait. Hold, yeah. can I talk about Rocky Three first? Please. I mean, you can't. I Please. mean, so, so because I. I love Rocky three. I like Rocky three better than Rocky four. I'll tell say right now. And here's, and I a hundred percent agree. It's cheesy, particularly the dancing in the, in the, on the beach is totally ridiculous, but you just listed all the reasons that it's a stronger film, which is there's more emotional context in terms of Rocky's journey. And he has to learn lessons, develop a new relationship Mm. and he has to change those. And, and I will say this, I will, I will go to my grave saying that I think Mr. T's performance was worthy of an Oscar nomination. I wow. think Mr. T is so 
there's nothing never been anything like him on film never been anything like him since mr t is amazing in rocky three okay now i gotta look up this 1982 mm. best supporting actor nomination oh yeah i'm curious let's let's see what we've got here Best Supporting Acting no- Actor nominees. It's 1982. It would be for 1982, right? It's not the 1983 situation. Well, no, if, it, if oh, okay. Rocky Three came out in 82, it would be 83. Okay, so let's do 83 then, Best Supporting Actor nominee, because I want to know who he would have replaced, and if Steve can make a case or I can make a case. For That's this. A, It's All an right. excellent, excellent question. 1983 is Charles Durning in Best Little Whorehouse in Texas. I can absolutely kick him out and put, uh, put Mr. T in there. James Mason for The Verdict. He was great in the verdict. He's we great. Gotta, Steve, we got to do that movie at some point on the cinema. Yeah, absolutely. John Lithgow in The World According to Garp. He's great. He's uh, I mean, I, I think that's also sort of the, this is the first trans character in yes. a mainstream film, you know, so maybe that's part of, you know, why it's important. Yep. Louis Gossett Jr., who won that year for An Officer and a Gentleman. Also and, great. And, also, and Robert Preston for Victor Victoria. So for me, either Durning or Preston can go. And I could slide T in there. What about you? Yeah, I'm 100% same. Totally agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's nothing Robert Preston did in Victor Victoria that was that stood out, for God's sake. He's I mean, totally he's, charming and Robert Preston. He's great. He is Robert Preston. But he's not Mr. T. That's right. <laughs> and I think you're 100% right, Steve. I've never <clears throat> thought of it this way, but the character you created of Clubber Lang was something we'd never seen before. Yeah. So my point is, by bringing up Rocky Three and talking about it, Rocky Four had to up the game. Once you up the ante... You've got to up the ante even more. So what do you do? We're in the middle of the Cold War. There's, you know, we're four years away from the wall coming down, I think. There's a, you know, we're in the heat of it and you bring around a Russian boxer. Now, Russian boxers did not come really into prominence until the 90s and the 2000s with the Klitschko brothers and others uh, from that Soviet kind of block, that European, Eastern European block. And so having someone like Drago come in, and it was someone I don't think anybody knew, uh, and he went 15 rounds with Balboa in Moscow, and you have Rocky being challenged in this way where nobody believes in him, not even Adrian, who had believed in him in Rocky Three. Even she thinks he's going to get killed, and we see someone die in the ring, which we hadn't seen before in, Ro- in the Rocky franchise, but had become something that people were aware of in the 80s because of Ray Boom Boom Mancini killing right. that Korean bo- boxer, Randall Duck Kim, I think it was, uh, which I got a chance to interview him and ask him about. It's still something that uh, echoes with, with uh, course, Boom Boom. Yeah. Uh, and other people had died in the rings. So it had become something that was people were aware of, and it was the reason why they dropped 15 rounds to 12 rounds. So this film yeah. was just before all of this was happening. So the idea that he was going to fight this massive Russian, this huge, literally mountain of a man, in Russia, I loved the way they up they upped the stakes and the fact that nobody, not even Adrian, thought he could do it. That's never that would had never been done in the Rocky franchise. So, tell me why you think Rocky Four is cheesier than Rocky Three. I I, I or, think by definition it's cheesier. That's not, <laughs> but that's not. I want to be really clear. Yeah, yeah. The things to love about Rocky Four are are its cheesiness. It's yeah. because Rocky Four is an iconic film. It is East it is. versus West. It is yeah. a, you know, the character of Ivan Drago is not, he is a, he is an automaton. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, unlike Apollo Creed or Clubber Lang, who are these complicated, developed people. Yeah. Ivan, an icon. He is, he is the unstoppable, powerful, you know, Russian thing. It is yeah. it, the whole, the joy of Rocky Four, and, and I think there's a lot of joy in it, is mm-hmm. in its 
simplicity it's adventure good versus evil fighting again you know what i mean like the yeah. the joy of of rocky is its subtlety and its character and all that yeah. that's not what rocky 4 is they're yeah. just totally different genres and i think there are things in rocky 4 that are amazing yeah. i mean like really really well done but i do think it's cheesy <laughs> like it's you know it's not a it's not a deep film you know like there's so many things like you know you think about the the adrian rocky relationship in yeah. rocky which is central to the film i mean that's anything but cheesy i mean that is like a really unusual complicated relationship where you mm -hmm. see these characters grow and you spend a lot of time i mean yeah. my my theory with it from the rocky 2 3 4 is that in each movie the fight gets longer becomes yeah. a, lo a larger part of the film and the training get becomes a larger part of the film and Sylvester Stallone gets better looking. <laughs> yes, he does. You he know, does. and, and, you know, for you and I who were alive when this film originally came out in 1985, as we said, there was a lot of controversy around Sylvester Stallone. This was when people were becoming aware of steroids. People were becoming aware of performance enhancing drugs in the mainstream pop culture because of sports. And there were rumors that Stallone was getting this kind of stuff imported because it was illegal for mm. him to get it uh, here over the counter in America, that he was getting it imported. I don't know if it was true or not or whatever, but the allegations were there because when he showed up on screen, you were like, what in the hell is this? We'd never seen Rocky Balboa like this. And it threatened, Stephen, you make a good point here, it threatened to maybe cut the tie to the original foundation of Rocky Balboa, which is an every guy who yeah. got a shot at the title and was able in the second film to win by one second. And yeah. the third film changed by understanding he got soft and got domesticated and he needed that hunger still. And, well, to and he it. had to change tactics. Yes, That's he had to change tactics. Thing. Right, right, right. Instead of fighting south. Right, exactly. They changed tactics. And now jumping into this one, this is a whole other animal of what he looked like to go after Drago. So it went right up to the line. It's kind of like the McCain, the, the uh, diehard films. They've gone so far past what John McClane was in the first film that I think they've lost the connection to the original character. But in this film, they came real close in Rocky IV to going past it. So let's talk about the movie, the original cut. So your experience with it, though, overall, as you just said, it's not necessarily cheesy. It is cheesy, but there are moments that you did enjoy yes. about the film. But it's not a film that you've gone back to multiple times to watch. Is that correct? Rocky Four. I rock. I've watched Rocky Four a ton. Okay, a ton. I think the last time I didn't watch the original cut for b before doing this, which I probably should have. Hmm. Uh, people are going to take away my cinephile cred, but <laughs> but uh, I probably watched it the last time like two years ago. Huh? I watch. I watch the whole Rocky series every few years. Cause, ah, nice. Because yeah. I love them. Uh, they're great. And and um and what I think is really interesting, you mentioned editing. Yeah. Is we we've, we've talked so many times, and I have so many. Uh, times on this show said you really don't understand not you John Roca but right, right, right. people listening really A don't royal, understand yeah. right. just how powerful editing is to transform something mm -hmm. and to me this director's cut shows its limitations like it, mm -hmm. there, there's you because you can't actually change an essence and I think what Sylvester's this is my general comment what Sylvester Stallone tried to do yeah. was make Rocky Four more like Rocky you know, I yes. want to get more into the characters. I want to get more into their motivation. I don't want to be quite as cheesy. And I'm like, no, this is what Rocky Four is. Right. right. <laughs> like, you have to embrace it and enjoy it for what it is. Mm -hmm. You can't change it into something it's not. 
You yeah, know. agreed. So we're almost 20 minutes into the show, so we should get into our overall yeah. feelings about this director's cut. Uh, Steve kind of hinting about what he felt about it. I, I will say that I agree with Steve. I think what he tried to do here, I know the general consensus, I've, I watched a few reviews before we started doing this show. The general consensus seems to be from IGN down that he did a good job with this. I talked to a few of my patrons of uh, the Outlaw Nation. They were fans of what he did. They're big time Rocky fans and they liked what he did. I did not. I think he removed the nostalgia and the cheesiness factor, for lack of a better term, that I love about Rocky Four. I love that there's this, uh, the, the stuff with Paulie. I love the robot. I love him clean, you know, like uh, uh, washing the his car, car and, and the, yeah. the Italian, the, the, the track suit. I love that. I love that Apollo has this single-minded determination to prove um, uh, that he can beat this Russian. Uh, and to me, one of the big cuts, but, but I will say this. I liked that they made Duke a bigger part of the movie. I liked that we got more with Apollo, although some of the some of the scenes were kind of felt like they were shoved in to try to make a narrative work. I liked that we got a little more with Adrian, so you can understand why she was so nervous for Rocky and scared for Rocky. But the big cut that really frustrated me, not the robot, it was that they took away the impetus of guilt that Rocky had from the original Rocky Four cut and changed it in this cut because he never even gets the chance to throw the towel because he dies before Apollo can say don't or no. And so you remove, for me, the foundational reason why Rocky is going to avenge Apollo with Drago. It isn't just the death. It's also his guilt that he didn't do the right, didn't throw that towel, not that it would have mattered, but didn't throw the towel at the right time. So to cut before Apollo says to him no, and then Apollo just gets knocked, killed, before Rocky even has a chance to not throw it, I thought took away a really strong foundational piece of that film. I think that that is a Greedo shooting first level mistake. Yeah, agree. I, agree. I couldn't agree more. It uh, taking out and, and this is where editing does make a difference. Is the yeah. level of guilt is totally determined by how that shot plays. Yeah, I mean, and and this is the thing. Watching the additional Apollo scenes, I I like Duke. I think he's a fantastic character. Yeah, I Burns. don't think that's a good eulogy at the funeral fair enough yeah you know what yeah. i mean like I, I i i love the idea of having more of him the scene with apollo taught it was all it's not great like yeah. you have i think throughout this film and really you know carl weathers is i think him not becoming the the star he should have been yeah i mean his performance you know we talk about mr t's performance Car carl weathers's performance throughout the films is amazing yeah. and the stuff they give him to do in this movie that was added back yeah. in yeah. i don't think it's that good yeah, it's just not yeah. that great stuff. Every time the stuff that they left in that's from the original, where he's you know clowning on Drago, where it's all that stuff, he's great because yeah. he's he's amazing. But the you know, so it's like taking a scene. Yeah, is there more of Adrian? Yes, I do right. understand her a little bit better. Is there anything like the chemistry or character that we saw in one and two? No, yeah, she's not there. You know, yeah. I also think the stuff with the kid. Uh, uh, Steve, there's there's some great moments with the child and his connection with the child, riding little, uh, riding little golf cart. The conversations they've had throughout the movie, and then cutting to him, his kid, his kid watching with his two friends there on the couch. That's all gone. That those those funny cues of the guys like, what are we? Yeah. What do you think we are, nerds? They cut that out, and them just kind of you know punching the air, cheering along with Rocky. It's a great quick. Cut. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I wish they more, kept that in. Yeah, that gives more weight, and they only cut the kid to one scene. 
And that's the scene on the bed. And yes, the back and forth, I think, is really, I like that he added more to that exchange with him and his son because there's something, yeah. there's a real great lesson that Rocky Balboa is teaching his son that anybody watching it might be reminded of that lesson or taught that lesson for the first time that I think really works. But then his kid becomes a persona non grata through the whole film, except for that scene. Well, and one of the interesting things, and it's, I, I do think the robot is cheesy, but the purpose of it is yeah. to say that this is not the Rocky that we met that was in mm. touch with the real world. This is a Rocky removed from the real world, right. which is why when he goes to Russia, he has to go, he has to let all that stuff go. Yeah. If you don't show the the wealth, then you don't have a thing for him to give up when right, he goes to right. Russia. Um, it, It's such a... What's so interesting to me about it is that, I mean, this is a movie of montages. Yes. You know, and so, and, and when the montage montages work, it works really well. Yeah. But, but in this, like he made that opening montage, the flashback montage much longer. Yeah. And I'm like, look, I got it. Right. I understand. Maybe he's going like, oh, those movies were 30, 40 years ago. And we really got to remind people more of the information, but just, just showing us scenes from another movie for eight mm -hmm. minutes it's like, it's way too much. You yeah, know? it's a good point you bring up. I mean, I, I watched the documentary. It's on YouTube if you guys want to watch the hour the, and a half this, documentary. Yeah, I watched it too. Yeah, that it's 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 great to hear. I know as a director, Steve, I'm curious to hear your thoughts because obviously Stolen is a director, is is a, a writer and everything like that. So he had his point of view. And what he wanted to do with those eight minutes was basically lay the groundwork again of the relationship with Apollo Creed because he was going to make that a more central part of this cut, their relationship, their friendship, um, and I agree with you. I think those opening eight minutes, I'm like, you know, this is the reason those uh, openings work in those Rocky films, because we get back into the feeling at the as as uh, as you as a uh, screenwriter say, right, uh, get in as, uh, you know, as uh, as, as as late, late as possible, as late as possible yeah. and get out as early as possible. And that those openings for Rocky always do that. You're coming in right near the end of the fight. And then you're having the critical moments where he wins, and then we're you know slow fading to to the start of the movie. That's and, and you start the whole you know the the fanfare and the shot of the rock the belt and everything. That's how you start it. So to have an eight minute start with you're getting more Apollo and you're getting to them. To me, I just feel like ah, uh, this feels like previously on Rocky. It's what it felt like to me. A it's really dead. long previously. Yeah, true. Very true. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like no, a I think YouTube video. Here's yeah. what happened. Yeah. I, well, I wish they'd done that. They should have done, which I, it's funny. I do every once in a while when you start the next season of the show and I look for the uh, YouTube right. recap of the previous yeah. season. Like, <laughs> I wish they'd just put it up separately on YouTube. Um, it, it's, it, and then, and then, like, the I, honestly, the montage that really doesn't work for me now is the long him in the car with the yeah, black and white. A thousand percent. Particularly because structurally, he had already decided to go take the fight. Yeah. So, what's he thinking about? Well, that's and that's a great point, Steve. Because once again, if you remove the um, impetus for his guilt, then you remove that that need for that montage. Because the whole montage is, and you add the eight minute montage at the beginning with Apollo. The whole montage is him remembering his relationship with Apollo and his journey as a boxer. So it's all his guilt, all the things he's gone through as he's about to take on this challenge. So when you remove the impetus for him to think about all these things he, he might be risking here by, by, by taking this opportunity, then to me, you, you don't even need the montage. Like when it started, and then they even adjusted the montage to just turn certain scenes into black and white, and they yep. didn't keep the original cut of the montage 
which really frustrated me. And I was just watching and I go, is it nostalgia? And I was, no, no, narratively, it doesn't work. You don't even need it anymore. As Steve said, he's already made the decision. He decided. So why, why do we need it? Yeah. But because well, like a montage montages have different purposes. We'll yeah. get into the training montages, obviously, because those are awesome. But yeah. but like the the but this montage, if you're having an internal memory montage, yeah, yeah. The only reason to have it is because of decision yeah. or because of, of how your character is changing. Yes. You know, and I you know, I said this lots of times on the show, but it, you know, in general, if you can cut a thing out of a movie and no one will ever notice it, then it probably didn't need to be on the movie. Now there are definite exceptions to that rule. Mm -hmm. Um, but in this case, I you could have cut that out. He already decided to go. Yeah, that's You're a great just point. Showing me stuff that I already knew. Yeah, yeah. Good point that he's already go. Yes, exactly. And and if you extend and if you change the montage, you've got to make the montage say something. Because I think what Steve is Steve's one hundred percent right. Every time there's a montage in Rocky, it's about a transition, right? Yeah. It's about him embracing. In Rocky Three, it's about him finally embracing Apollo's tactics after that scene in the beach, which I've said a million times is the greatest scene in the Rock yeah. in any of the Rocky franchise. And the the Rocky the Rocky running in the second film is after she says win, right? So that whole montage after she tells him to win is great. It's him finally embracing. Look, I'm going to give it my all and see what happens. And then in the first film, it's about him finally going, okay, I'm going to do this and I'm going to give it my all and what have you. And in four, as we said, it is him like coming to this decision, even when everybody else is telling me shouldn't do so, he's going to do it. And by the end of the car ride. He is uh, adamant that it's going to happen. So it just was a really weird thing to take away in terms of an impetus here in the movie, for sure. Um, go ahead. Yeah, was there one more? Well, I just had a question for you. Yeah. I am very curious. How did you feel this time and in the recut watching the James Brown number? I was weird. It, it, felt, was, it felt weird it to felt me. It felt arrogant. And it felt, uh, whereas in the other film, it felt like an underdog and so he's going to pull out all the stops. And this is old school Apollo, just like when he came in uh, with yeah. the crossing of the Delaware thing in Rocky one in this, it feels almost like he's being cocky in a, in a bad way, as opposed to cocky in a fun way. It felt like he was being cocky in a bad way. So that when later the montage of Drago and him coming out and him kind of overwhelmed by the celebration of him, feels uh like more sympathetic which i was really surprised by because it felt to me like this uh, whole thing was just wrong you know? yeah it's funny so for let me premise this by saying yeah, yeah. i love james brown did <laughs> james i love brown that is, i do too it's great it was it was weird because look you you can't think about this movie without thinking about the cold war and patriotism Absolutely. and the 80s and things yeah. like that and, and and what's weird to me it totally obviously connects to the Rocky entrance. Yeah. But what's weird to me is like, so this is what you're presenting as America. Right. You know, to the Russian. And I had I felt bad for Drago in this way that I hadn't before. And I don't know if it was because it was recut that much, but I, I found myself liking Apollo less. Yeah. You know, yeah. It felt which, weird. It felt weird. Yeah. 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 Like Apollo in the first cut, in the original cut, is trying to prove something to himself. Apollo in the second cut feels like he's mad that a Russian would dare to think he was better than an American. And I guess in this moment, you have to kind of bring up maybe a little bit of Sylvester Stallone's political beliefs and wonder if maybe that colored or influenced uh, his point of view well, in cutting this film, making it more pro-America than we've seen before in the original cut. Although Drago was more sympathetic in this cut, 
it felt like the overall pro America vibe was there uh, in this cut. Well, you, I mean, you know, Rocky Four better than me. Mm. There wasn't nearly as much Apollo talking about America, no, and patriotism. That because that stuff one scene. Well, because that stuff a falls flat yep. in terms of character, and b the the reason that these characters need to do something need to be internal reasons, right? right. Like I am fighting for my country. We've never seen that. I mean, we did. I do think Apollo Creed's a patriot. I yeah, mean, when he's talking about. You know, I'm going to give an unknown the you know the chance on America's birthday like that. I think he believes in the, all that stuff. Totally, yeah. but I don't think they sold me that he hates the Russians. You well, know what and, I mean? Yeah, and that's a great point, Stephen. I think it's it's I think it's a fault of Stallone. Not how can I say this correctly? I think this is the indirect result of Stallone re-editing this film to make Drago, and that was his intention. If you watch the documentary, he says it. Yeah. For, first give more to apollo so that you could feel the tragedy of his death more and then second to give drago more time so you feel this sympathetic towards him so you can't really feel sympathetic towards the russian and the american at the same time when you make the american enlist james brown to do this stuff and then there's even more with him and james brown dancing around it like that that right there was a massive mistake and you're watching it as like why would you do that because you're exhausting yourself before the fight and you're not as young as you used to be. And I think they even cut that line where he says, I feel born again, Stallion. I don't think he says any of that. I don't think he says that, yeah. Right? So you cut out this tragic beat that you're laying the groundwork for because earlier in the original cut, they say, like, you know, we're not that young anymore. We can't do it like we used to, blah, blah, blah. And so by saying he feels young again, he's in essence being set up for the death. And so they cut that well, out. Well, and this is what I mean by, like, editing can only do so much. Mm. And, and, and what this movie is is us versus the russians and yeah. it is iconic yeah. and to try to make it more subtle it actually crumbles to me a bit yeah. like like don't like drago's got to be drago you know yeah. what i mean that's the whole point of him is he is he is the unstoppable no personality stone-faced right and, and by the way Dolph yeah. lundgren is it looks amazing and is yeah. amazing in this movie. Yeah, I love it. I love that he's coming back into prominence because he's a damn good actor for the, th for the stuff that he's in. And I love that he's getting more work with Expendables, getting more work with other things. It's great to see Dolph back in our, in our public consciousness for sure. And I loved him in Creed too. Oh my God, that scene in the restaurant with him and Rocky, yeah. that tension, you couldn't cut it with a knife. You had to cut it with a chainsaw, the tension between them because there's By so By the way, much when, you, when you saw that, because I know it's one of your favorite movies, did you think of De Niro and Al Pacino in Heat? <laughs> no, that has never occurred to me once. That was the first thought wow. that occurred to me when they sit down in front of each other. There was just this like two you know, icons facing each other. <laughs> it's great. I just love his pictures of you on the wall. No pictures of me. He's almost like our jilted lover. He's like, where's my pictures? You got all these other pictures. But yeah, I mean, that that there, so it's great to see that, but that's the danger. You make, two, I mean, it, it's it's almost like if you go back and recut Rocky Three, and you find out that, you know, Clubber has this poor family, and he's yeah. working because he wants to fucking, you know, his wife and his kids, he wants to, like, give them a better life, and he has conversations with his mother, and his mother's like, just do what you need to do, honey, we love you, you know, fight this man, he comes in, and blah, 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 go and get what you need to do, So and then, like, if he did this whole promo and everything, and then he gets back in the car, and he's like, man, did I say too much? Was that too much? Did I go too far? Then all of a sudden, you've made it's him sympathetic. You killed it. Yeah, yeah, you've killed it. And so I felt like they kind of did that with Drago here. Though well, I understood Stallone's intention. I think they kind of killed that a little bit. 
Well, because Apollo Creed is complicated. Yes. Like he has layers upon layers and you and he tells you yeah. I'm putting on these shows. And that's what you know, and you can't the connection between Ali and Apollo Creed, you just, you know, yeah. there's so it, it, and Apollo Creed, I think, is even more conscious of exactly what the yeah. show he's doing is maybe yeah. than Ali is. Um, whereas but that's not what Clubber Lang is. Right, right, right. right. Clubber Lang is who he says he is. Yes, you know, yes. that is the whole point. Yeah. Um let I, I still believe that the back and forth training montage in Russia <laughs> might be is among the great montages of all time. I don't I, disagree. I'll, with you. I'll put it up against Sergei Eisenstein's Odessa step sequence. I'll put it up against <laughs> it is it is a perfect training montage. Would you put it up against Wells's breakfast stuff from Citizen Kane? uh here's no here here's the thing no because but the, here's the difference that has dialogue that's true there's so until, they're different things until it doesn't you're right yeah. until yeah but but no that is a that is as there's literally a perfect montage that that <laughs> one yeah all right let's get in some of these super chats steve before we talk more about these cuts and uh, their comparison here uh paul says do you consider rocky for a good bad movie or just a bad movie Plus, is Paulie Cinema is Paulie's cinema's biggest loser? He's an ungrateful leech who used to hit Adrian. Ah, it's a fair point, Steve. What are your qu- answers to these questions? And I'll go well, after you. I, honestly, to me, to me, it's a good bad movie. That is, that is where I, I don't know. I, I, I might be breaking the cinephiles up at this moment, <laughs> um, but I, you know, I'll still watch it. I'll watch it again yeah. in a couple of years. I, I do like it. It is there. There, there's some problems with it. Okay, <laughs> fair me. enough. Uh, do you think? Uh, yeah. So, do you think Paulie is cinema's biggest loser? I, I haven't. Uh, you know, uh, everyone knows that I'm not good at figuring out the number one thing, but Paul, <laughs> he, he he might be among the most lovable, terrible people in movies. I think. And so yes, too. he is a huge loser. Yeah. But and I think. But I by the way, the moment in Rocky Four, you know, where he says, "If I could step out of my body and be somebody else, I'd want to be you." Tear cried. You know, yeah, it's a great moment. Yeah, but you know he's a loser in a couple ways. In that they cut him pretty much almost out of the movie, Steve. Yeah, even the scene where he's listening to the Chipmunks, they don't put the Chipmunks in. They put some oh, other song in, uh, and they don't have him uh, the, when he's out there stumbling around in the snow. It's funny, but and the and the uh, uh, the stuff at the press conference is there a little bit, but not the way it was before. So cutting out him with the robot, you really lose Polly's. Yeah, he's barely in the movie. Yeah, he's barely. So when the moment happens, I could zip myself. It doesn't work for me in the cut now the way it does in the original cut because you mm. get more of Polly and we understand. And, and you're right. He's one of the more he's one of the more terrible people you can love, lovable, terrible people, because as Paul points out, yes, he hits age. He alludes to hitting Adrian in the first movie. He guilts Adrian in the second movie into her coma, into her pre you know, having the baby ahead of time into her coma. Uh, and then in Rocky three, he's bitter and angry at the beginning about the x watch. And then in Rocky Four, um, he's a little more better, but he makes the shots that takes the shots at Apollo that are not in the cut now, where he says that you ever read comics, they're good for your virility or whatever he says. Um, so, but but he has these moments with Rocky where he reveals himself. Rocky's the one who always gets through to Paulie. Remember the first movie, he confronts Paulie and he 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 kind of almost beats him up until Paulie starts crying. In the second movie, he gives him the job with Gazzo, uh, but then Paulie still bitter by the third movie and then he cuts you know he kind of navigates that with him you just need to ask for a job that's all you needed to do 
And then in Rocky Four, uh, you have that moment, you know. And then in Rocky Balboa, he's like Rocky reveals to him about the stuff inside. Yeah, it's a really beautiful moment. So there's Paulie's he's he's got his place. Uh, and you Absolutely. know, he's not the greatest guy, but you imagine that Rocky changed him. Being friends with Rocky changed him as a person. Adrian changed uh, herself, finding her power, finding her voice. But Paulie also changed, realizing, hey, I got to stop being an asshole overall. You know. Well, the, the, I think Polly is key to the movies. I think he's critical. And the thing is, he is not a good guy. Right. Like, and he has not been a good brother to Adrian. He's no. used her. He's he's taken advantage of her. He's kept her down. Yes. But here's the reason why he's so key. And this is the key to Rocky's character. And it's also the difference between Rocky and Rocky IV. Right. Is that, is that Rocky loves Polly. Yes. Despite all, it, he knows who he is. It's not that he's blind to what this person is. And and the thing is, Adrian's really fucked up. I mean, she's a messed up person she is. who he loves. Well, right. she is. Right. You know, she's, but she's painfully messed up because, because yeah. of what she was raised by. Exactly. That's she's messed up. Yeah. And Rocky's a very sensitive soul. Yeah. Right. And and you know what? Mickey's fucked up too. Yeah. Totally. Mickey. And, and but it, it's Rocky's love mm -hmm. that is the power in the first film. It's Rocky's love is the power through the whole all the movies, yeah. man. He changes Mickey. He changes Apollo. He changes yeah. Adrian. He changes Paulie. You're right about that. You know, it, it's his gentleness. Yes, and his yes. and his and so and this is and this is what they do really well in the Creed films is like kind of bringing that back mm -hmm. is like bringing back the the subtlety of this character who is capable of tremendous violence, yeah. but actually has this huge, huge heart, you yeah. know? And also yeah. capable of making mistakes and yep. really wanting to own up when he makes those mistakes, which is yep. great. Not a lot of people yeah. do that. Paul also chimed in and says, Rocky got Apollo killed by not throwing that effing towel. He had one job and failed to do it. Also, what is up <laughs> with Polly's robot? There you go, Paul. I, th I think we covered that, but if you add something to add to it, Steve, feel free. Well, he here's what I will say is there is a level... What's really hard, and it's definitely hard in Rocky Four, yeah, is there in movies people can take much more punishment than actual humans can. Oh my god! You know, you know. So you have someone who gets shot, and they get up, and they keep fighting, and you, you know, like that. We have things like that. You know, you have Batman who has no superpowers, getting right. just hit by cars, and he just keeps going. So, so to some yeah. degree, there's a suspension of disbelief. The moment at which a fight would be stopped, even in the '80s. You know, we go so far beyond in yeah. both fights. And the the Apollo thing, it's like, no, he's going to, they would stop the fight. Rocky yeah. would stop the fight. The, it's just because it's it's a slaughter, you know? Yeah, it is a slaughter. Even in even in Rocky 3, in the second fight, the second time he's knocked down, you could have stopped the fight. Yeah. He is rolling around on the ground before he gets up before 10. You could have legitimately stopped the fight. Uh, Paul says that Rocky Four did a poor job of showing Rocky felt guilty. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the, he edited so that Rocky didn't feel guilt or didn't do anything wrong. And I thought that was for the guy who's the star of the film to edit it so that he comes off not feeling, not looking like he hesitated at the moment of truth, which might be a manhood thing, an old school masculine manhood thing. I thought was a massive mistake because this is not Sylvester Stallone. This is Rocky Balboa. Jesus Christ, my hands are over. This is not Rocky. This is, you know, there's two different people. So Sylvester Stallone does not have to cut it. So Rocky Balboa is more like Sylvester Stallone. The thing we love about Rocky is that Rocky's just like us. We all make yeah. mistakes. We all have guilt we carry. We all wish we'd done something at a certain critical moment. And that's what colors us as human beings and makes us interesting as human beings. So to take away that from Rocky, I agree with Paul. I don't, I don't understand why he did that. 
I it's I want to go back to just the editing room because I just keep yeah. thinking about it. Um, I, I know I've said to you, I don't know if I've ever said it on the mic, but like one of the reasons I stopped being just an editor mm-hmm. is I cannot stand editing with a director standing behind me. Oh my god, I can't so because and part of it, and I mean this this sounds like a joke, but it's not a joke. Frequently when I'm editing, I have no fucking idea what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And that a lot of it is kind of I move things around and then a pattern starts to appear in my mind yeah. or a thought. And then I pursue the thought for a while. Yeah. And frequently it's a dead end. And then I come back and a new thought happens and I pursue that for a while. And then slowly it kind of takes shape. Right. When I have that person behind me and I've had it many times where they're like, no, 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 put that over there. I'm like, hold on. Or they'll say, can you move this? And I'm like, sure, I can move that. And that's yeah. a eight step process frequently because you got to okay i got to trim this down and i got to do this and i got to move that over there and then i'm going to make space for this and then i move this but i got to deal with the so you're doing eight things and mm-hmm. you start doing them and the director goes no, no no i said move that there it's like i know what you said i understand <laughs> it takes me a little while to do it you know and i just feel for that editor with stallone on oh, camera yeah. pacing back and forth espousing all this stuff yeah, yeah. and the thing is Stallone, I will say, I believe that he is at times a true artist. Yeah. At Agreed. times. Agreed. It's not the majority of his work, right. but he is capable both as an actor and as a writer and as a director of doing good stuff. Yeah. You know, um, but not always. <laughs> Fair point. Uh, keep sending in your Streamlabs and your Super Chats, uh, ladies and gentlemen, as we go along with this conversation. See the Streamlabs address uh, right there, uh, floating there on the bottom there. It's also pinned to the chat, uh, and it's in the description of this video as well. We prefer Streamlabs because uh, YouTube takes 50% of Super Chats now. So, But if you can only send through Super Chat, feel free. We just would prefer it if you can through Streamlabs. And speaking of Streamlabs, Steve, we got two of them that came through here. One from the this Philip Bryan, he says, I'm still on board for an Apollo prequel that shows him rising in the ranks in the late 60s and early 70s, probably for streaming thoughts. Yeah. Would you want to see a prequel for Apollo? 100%. Prequel? Okay. 100%. If we can find an actor to fill those shoes, I think that would be... Well, And I mean, you're, you're basically doing the Muhammad Ali story. I mean, like, you, it, it, it would be a way to, to kind of take a fictitious look at that world because you know mid civil rights movement yeah, yeah you know like you have this charismatic guy coming up and what are the pressures he's fa- because when we meet him in rocky yeah. he is so sure of himself and he's so powerful and it's and it's really clear that he is in charge of his own destiny like there's the the white guy who's like his manager guy mm-hmm. but he's deferring to apollo there's yeah. no question that apollo's the guy and so seeing well where did he come from? Like, what was his family background? What yeah. were his parents? Where, what city did he grow up in? How did he grow up? When did he start boxing? I think, when did he figure out how to become the character of Apollo Creed? I'm sold, man. I would love to see that movie. I think that's one of the most bold things that uh, Stallone did with that first film. Uh, Apollo commands his world. Uh, Apollo takes oh, no yeah. cover. He's incredibly intelligent. I mean, this is 1976. Right. I mean, we we were in the midst of the black exploitation films. Are we seeing a lot of black lead characters or black co-lead characters kind of taking control of their uh, lives, taking control of how they're presented, running their business empires? Not a lot in the movies in the 70s. So to have something like this in 1976, to have Apollo be very much as intelligent, you know, with the three piece suit, speak very intelligently, you know, being control of everything that's going on. And even in the second movie, when it comes back, even more so, telling them, you get me this, but you make this happen because I need it to happen. You make it happen. Uh, and so that's, that's been one of the great things about this character. He's very much 
in command of his world for well, sure. Well, I think one of the key things is that with Apollo is yeah. there's really is no way that Rocky can win that first yeah, yeah. fight. If Apollo took him, Apollo didn't take him seriously at all. Yeah. And, yeah. and he's still way out of Rocky's league. Yes. You know, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, that that's what makes him. And, and yet he is that person who's also doing the business deals and also doing all the other stuff. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, he's a, he's a fantastic character. Well, and I wonder if we go uh, with a, and I'm down with an Apollo, um, prequel series because that makes more sense a rocky prequel series does not make sense to me because what no. are we going to see him being a ham and egger working for a mob boss no. a low rent mob boss there in philly doing the thing you know doing the things that he's doing and you know fighting but he's not fighting with at the level that he is fighting for a title or whatever and how does mickey come into his life and how many years has he wasted just being in mickey's gym who do you Re I mean, one of the hardest things to recast would be Mickey. I mean, you could get a Stallone look like you could get a Creed look like, but Mickey is tough. So you, I, just, I, I think you have to go a different way. I think yeah. you have to like you 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 do exactly what they did, which is to find that great character actor who 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 could eat right. up that role. But you don't try to imitate Burgess Meredith, because, right? Right. But the, but the, but I think I'll go a step further. I think doing a Rocky prequel ruins Rocky. Yeah, agree. Because the whole point is he didn't do anything important. Yeah, it's well, the same thing it's, with, with John yeah. McClane. A John McClane prequel for me makes no sense. Absolutely no sense. Yes, you'd have cases that he solved, but they're small cases. What he does at Nakatomi Plaza is next level. Right. And if, if I go back and watch McCain, he'll be a cop like any other cop or detective like any other detective solving cases. But this, the Nakatomi Plaza, that's the thing that takes him to another realm so i'm yeah. so glad you brought up the diehard connection because yeah. i think that is a perfect perfect parallel mm. because in diehard the whole point of diehard is he's an ordinary guy who manages to do extraordinary things yes. when put in an extraordinary situation rocky is 100 percent the same and i think mm. rocky actually navigates the the sequels way better because all diehard tries to do is well how do we put him into an extraordinary situation again and again well but now we know he's not an ordinary guy Right. Rocky varies it in, in more interesting ways and has more character to it, like in terms of what he has to learn. Yeah. I yeah. think. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, Justin Toner donated. He said, hi, John and Steve. I and others have talked with John and his patron hangouts. Yes. About this cut. Now that I've had more time to think on it and hearing your points, while I still enjoy the director's cut of Rocky four, I agree. Some things are lost that are good. Yeah. Um, he also said, I also want to thank Steve for sharing his love of Rocky three, which is one of my favorites in the franchise. Like John, I adore the scene of Rocket Agent on the beach, one of the best. When did you get so tough? I married a fighter. Yep, there you go. That's good. It's a good line. It is a great line. Oh my God. It's the I don't know. It's the best reason. I don't want to go into it because people know my love of that. Um, all right. Well, what what else stood out from you from this cut, Steve, uh, that um either surprised you, excited you, or made you go, eh, I don't know. Uh, well, I think else? it's both the cut, but it's also the original. We got to talk about the fight. Please, let's do it. I mean, so, I the one of the di big differences between Rocky and Rocky Four right. is Rocky. It's about his heart mm -hmm. and about courage. Rocky Four becomes it's about his ability to take punishment. And I I was yeah, bugged by this fight when it came out, and okay. it has great moments in it. But like it's like Rocky leads with his head, yeah. you know. Like yeah. he, I was like, put your fucking hands up, you know. <laughs> Jesus Christ, you don't have to take every single punch. And the just the uh, repeated or or there's moments where he's got Drago on the ropes and he's repeatedly hitting to the ribs and Drago's not dropping his elbow to block it. It's like yeah, 
he's just standing there taking shots. It, it's this weird thing of like, oh, I guess boxing is just about absorbing punches and then punching. And yeah. that is not what boxing is about. And 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 I think I think Stallone did make some improvements to the fight. Like you see in the documentary of like, oh, let's tilt this shot and let's push in a little bit. Yeah. I think he does make some improvements. But I think, and again, this is where I also go, look, the choreography is that these guys just punch at each other forever, mm -hmm. you know? Oh, uh, this is a great point. This Philip Bryan brings up. He cut out the third Apollo fight that the uh, the theatrical had in the opening. Right. The the third Apollo, the um, thing where they meet in the ring. Oh, right. You know, that's a huge point. The, yeah. the, the private one. Yeah, it's all gone. Because remember, it opens with the kid talking to him. Hey, where'd you get mm -hmm. that sh uh, black eye? Yeah. Same friend or whatever, you know? And so, yeah, that's a, it's, that's a great point. And, you know, I don't understand why people want to take away the 80s out of this movie. That's one of the things that makes the movie so fucking great. You know, I mean, there's a lot of 80s and diehard people. I hate to break it to you. There's a shit ton of cheesiness of 80s and diehard, but it works in the overall flow of the movie. The same thing with Rocky Four. I see so many of these younger people who are critics or who are, uh, you know, YouTube reviewers or whatever, you know, just going in on this film. It's like it wasn't made while you were alive. It's not for you. It's not about you. I mean, there's a shit ton of 90s films I could dive into and show you the cheesiness of that you all love and respect and worship. Uh, and, and so it's just like, it's that kind of thing. You got to let it be what it is. Do you know what I'm saying? And so for me, I just, I don't understand why people want to legislate the 80s out of Rocky Four. It's it's what make, gives it its charm, you know? You know what's funny? I, a while ago, I said it was, a. I mentioned Greedo shooting first. Yeah, yeah. Actually, the more I think about it is this is like Lucas redoing Star Wars to some degree. Yeah. Is that, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. it, it, is that, the, and, and this is the thing, and I'll go back to what I said before. Rocky Four is what it is. Love it for what mm -hmm. it is. You cannot turn it into something it is not. Right. You can't right. make this a deep film. It's not a deep film. That's you know? Funny. Yeah. That's why I think that, I think that's why the cut graded on me a little bit, man. I felt like he was trying to create something more serious than the film actually was. And it's, the footage is not there to do that. The scenes are not there to do that. The dialogue yeah. is not there to do that. You gave us more with Apollo, which is great. You gave us more with Adrian, which was nice. But like in the in the end, I think you kind of undercut that relationship rather than fleshing out that relationship. So the motivation isn't 100% there. And when you remove the motivation of a character in a film, then I'm watching the film going, why the fuck am I watching this film? I, I don't know what your motivation is here. Um, other than uh, petty anger, other than uh, revenge. And yeah. that doesn't work. There's got to be something more playing uh, underneath, you know? And what did you think about the scene where he is talking to the, um, the uh, in essence, the boxing council, the WBC or WBA there in that room, um, which was in the, tr the original Rocky Four trailer, mm. but was not shown in the original Rocky Four cut of the film. Did you like him having that kind of moment with them and telling them what's going on? They're like, you can't do it. It's a violation, blah, blah, blah. Well, let me ask you this question first. Okay. When you uh, originally watched original Rocky Four, did you feel there was something that didn't quite make sense or was missing about him giving up his title and going to Russia? I will agree. Yes, I did, actually. I thought it because I was at the time. Oh, I was going to say the opposite. I no, well. I was at the yeah. time watching boxing, so I understand that it kind uh, of like deciding who could fight, who couldn't fight for the title, and all that kind of stuff. So I was aware of it at the time because we, my dad and I, watched boxing since I was ten years old. So I knew that the gotcha. consuls make a decision about who gets to fight who, and they'll strip you of the belt if you. I remember right. Jose Suleiman was one of the leaders of the WBC, and he was stripping belts all the time if you didn't fight who he told you to fight. 
So I would have liked to have seen that scene, and I liked that it was teased in the trailer, but then getting to see it now all these years later, it was a good scene, but it mirrored pretty much what he did in Rocky Balboa already when he has that moment telling them, you know, who decides I have a right to fight? You know, I get my own... I get to be able to say if I can fight or not. You know? It's funny. I I asked you that. You you clearly uh, knew a lot more about boxing at that time than <laughs> I did because I didn't think. To me, I think the scene is useless, and I don't think I missed it. You oh, know, okay. it, I never missed Fair that enough. there was something there. Right. Like they, you know, because it's not that important. Well, here's what's hard: is like if the decision to give up your title and go to Russia yeah. was important, then you had to make that important. Right. But there's never a moment like if he's holding his belt and going. I, I put everything in my life into getting this belt and now I'm just going right. to give it away to fight this guy who could kill me. Am yeah. I really going to do, I mean, if, if that was a, a point for him that was emotional, well then have it in the movie, but it wasn't right. It meant point. There could be a great scene with him and it can't be him and Adrian. It has to be him and Duke where he goes to Duke and says, maybe they're like at a bar late at night having a drink or he comes over to his house and they have this conversation and Rocky's like, I want to do something. I got to do something. I got to do something. And Duke says, if you do this, you're going to lose the belt. They're not going to let you fight him. He's not ranked and he's not. Yeah. This was his first professional fight. It was an exhibition match. It wasn't even real. There's no way they're going to let you put the belt on the line against this guy and fight outside without the title. Right. It doesn't make sense. They lose money. Uh, and so that could have been the conversation at the end. Uh, Rocky goes, I'm going to do it anyway. And Duke's like, well, if you're going to do it, I'm going to do it with you. That There's the boom. There's the connective tissue and the belt stuff, which you talk about, Steve, that could have worked a little bit better. So I agree with you. It's a great point you make. I'm just, so I'm, I'm rewriting Rocky four in my head. Um, <laughs> and I was just thinking if you wanted to make it more Rocky like, yeah, um, which I'm not saying you should, because I think Rocky for it is what it is. Damn right. But if you'd really made it because all the Apollo being patriotic thing, it, it just doesn't resonate for me. Yeah, yeah. If you had a heartfelt moment with Apollo and he's over the hill and right. he doesn't know who he's supposed to be. And you really yeah. think about Muhammad Ali in those, la you know, the Larry Holmes fight where he, you know, he really shouldn't have been there. Right. And and and. and and he's going, look, I don't know who I am. And like a really kind of heartfelt moment. And if he were to say, all I want to do is go the distance with Drago. I want to get up one more time yeah. and show who I am. And then and then you have the moment of not throwing in the towel. Right. And Ro because then Rocky's thinking about, well, I went the distance with Creed. That was, yeah. I was ready, you know, so how can I not give my best friend that opportunity? Right. And then have it be about Rocky's too old, you right. know? because because the thing is is like it's a what is the character thing that has to happen yeah and certainly character has to happen and he has to ha have this insane we're going to go to hell workout montage which is awesome right and then i have to get hit a million times yeah but but there isn't like the the him defining who he is i think is kind of right. what's not there as much i think that's a great point that's absolutely a great point dude um, all right, let's see here. What have we got? We got a stream love that came through from Doug Developer. Steve, he says, I've always found Drago screaming, I win for me, Yatsibia, among the most powerful moments in the franchise. And I felt for Drago. It tells me that sometimes you got to stop pleasing others, won't fully appreciate you, and just do what's right for yourself. Oh, that sounds familiar to me. Um, yes, I agree a thousand percent. If I could go first on this one, Steve, I love that moment. Uh, and I think that moment kind of lost weight in this cut here because. It feels like uh, you didn't even need the moment. It was very clear that he was kind of moving away from the control of Ludmilla and the, the other Russian guy 
because uh, they gave him more to do as well, the yeah. his Russian handler, and he kind of cut a lot of the lines that Brigitte Niels. I mean, he almost cuts Brigitte She's almost Niels. out of the movie. Yeah, and that tells me there's a little bit of personal animosity here between them still, because I don't understand why you, you know, Lumila is one of the most iconic characters in the Rocky franchise because of her connection with Drago. And when she speaks, Brigitte is good in this movie, in the original oh, yeah. cut delivering the things you guys think you are so very good that we are so very bad and so you hear the other side of it uh and it's very interesting and how she talks to I, uh, to ivan and all the stuff and to remove that i thought was a massive mistake and i think stallone was taking out some personal bias mm. against his ex-wife here in this situation Be- well because losing because that weakens the i fight for me moment mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because the what they i love that i I'm, i totally agree i love that moment too i think it's great yeah. because what they've established is that and and this is why humanizing Drago work makes it work uh, yeah. makes it work less because what they establish is that this is an entirely controlled human yeah this is a human who his his food everything he does every day he's constantly surrounded by people he's handled in every way yeah. and it really feels with the Brigitte Nielsen character that she's also part of handling him yes you know what I yes. mean like she is she is part of controlling him so yep. the moment where he says I fight for me is a moment of him becoming himself for the first yeah. time in his life yeah. and, and it's also I really wish it's so funny like and we've seen this so many times in, in fights where the fighters at the end of the fight they hug each other you yeah, know what yeah, I mean yeah. and Rocky has that sort yeah. of thing obviously Apollo and he become best friends right right and so I really wanted a moment with Drago at mm-hmm. the end of this film and and uh, and they really don't do it um and the other thing i mean let's can, can we discuss if i could change yeah you could change it's a new cut yeah. isn't it it's a different cut of that speech i think they did it differently yeah i don't first of all i do not believe the crowd starts chanting rocky i i just i if you had shut if you'd done it a different way oh, oh you mean in this cut you don't believe it i don't believe it in either cut how dare you well, here's the thing. Like, you, so that's you've, American. Go ahead. You've yeah. you've been at a you've been in a thing. Yes. You've been in a sporting event where your team is going against someone that you really want them to destroy, right. and then that team does something. You just like, damn, that was wow. You know, yeah. I'm sure you've had that moment many times. Yeah, sure. Is that the crowd was not a character in this movie, and what you needed to do was actually cut to the crowd cheering for Drago, and then see moments where they go, wow. And evolve that until one person starts to go, Rocky, you know, and then other people join in. And then you, then I would have been moving to me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Okay. Um, I, I also wouldn't have had the Gorbachev character walk out. Yeah, which is what happens in this cut, not no, in the it happens original in both. Cut. It happens in the original, no, too. In the original cut, he stands up and claps. Oh, he for does. For Rocky, yes. He stands up and claps for Rocky. Well, that's what I maybe, that's why I wanted that, that to happen. One. Yeah, they cut that out of this one, which which I agree with you. The the walking out was like, what? Why the fuck are we doing that? Like, it makes it seem like your message of bringing people together is not the message you. And of course, it's Gorbachev who helped to bring down the wall. So to have him be yeah. the guy who walks out is really mm. a mistake on on Stallone's part again. I wonder if his political beefs, beliefs got in the way here and he wanted to turn these communists and into mean people and not let them have some kind of at least showy redemption where they stand up and clap for what Rocky says, which is what he does. And that makes yeah. the other guy feel even smaller. That's right. You're right. It makes him yeah. stand up to clap 
as well because he's not going to go against his leader. You're totally right. Yeah. But I, but I, and I do disagree with you a little bit, Steve. I think the original cut has the care, has the audience being a character. They're, they are pro Drago from the beginning. And Barry Tompkins, who is the, um, the USA network announcer who's calling the mm-hmm. fight, uh, he's the one that is kind of navigating you as an audience through the cheers for uh, Drago. And then when they change through the montage of the fight, Tompkins is the one that says, and if I can believe it, and if you can't believe it, they are, I, the, suddenly Rock, pro, Moscow is pro-Rocky, right. and you hear them. So he's helping you with the transition there. I get your point, seeing someone do that, but this is a communist state. So this idea, and they were probably told to cheer for them or they would get shot, cheer for Drago, they would get shot. So of course. to have Rocky all of a sudden like be beating their insurmountable supposed representation of them, which he is in essence representing the communist state, not them as people, the ability to cheer for Rocky as a, as a rebellion or a revolution within this small auditorium, within this stadium uh, is, is great. So, but the speech kills. I hate that speech. I've never liked that speech. It is cheese upon cheese. It, what do you call that? Where you, Steve, you have a term for it. it. It's a film term where you hang the sign on the moment. What do they call that? Where you make well, there's the hanging lantern on it, but that's a different. That, okay. that, that's kind of means it's a slightly different thing. Okay. It's just it's so obvious. I mean, so, yeah, what's really what weird I mean. about it is we have just the total iconic. These are the bad guys. These are the good guys. Right. And right. at the yeah. end, you try to say, "Hey, we can work this out." And it's like <laughs> there's just there's nothing to it, you know. Yeah. And and the fact is. The, uh, Rocky's not a smart guy and I'm not saying that this is a smart speech you know um, but it's sort of like that's not you're coming from a boy you're coming from a boy yeah, but, no, he always, he's, but he always Rocky, speaks from his heart though he Rocky, his heart, but he speaks we, from sa- heart. we said this when we or I said this when we were did when we did Rocky originally Rocky is wise yes he's not true. smart Rocky's not going to win on Jeopardy he's not going to do any math contests he's not that's not he can't name all of the presidents of the United States. He can't even memorize Rocky, a script for a commercial. You're right. No, he's not in he's not, you know, it's like I've, I've said it before, but like the fact that Dungeons and Dragons separates intelligence and wisdom mm-hmm. is a brilliant thing because I think they are not the same. And Rocky is a perfect example. He yeah. is a deeply wise, deeply compassionate human person. Right, right. But he's not smart. And so, like he and the thing, if he went to if he went to Drago. Or Drago went to him, and they had a moment of connection, and the audience reacted to that. And that, you know what I mean? Like that—that that would be better than the speech. Or there's a moment where Rocky realizes with Duke what Apollo meant when Apollo says to him, "When this is all over, you're going to understand what I mean." Because in the movie, in the original cut, and in this cut, Rocky doesn't get why Apollo has to do this. America versus the Soviet Union. Rocky right. doesn't really get it. You imagine Rocky's not really into politics, so. Having that moment happen at the end, there's no motivation for the speech. There isn't because he won and Drago already rebelled against. He took the bigger risk by rebelling against the Russian president. So Rocky coming in with that speech has to come from a place that is motivated or earned and it isn't there. Uh, And and maybe that's why I've always hated the speech because I didn't see the setup ahead of time. And and you don't got to spoon feed me. There's a difference. But having him have a conversation with Duke or with Adrian or with Polly, where he says, like, I, I finally understand what Apollo is talking about. I get what he's saying. Watching these people change. 
I got to say something. And then boom, he walks onto the mic. That makes more sense to me in some way than him just all of a sudden launching into this speech, you know? Well, so again, to me, I go back to the audience and the crowd is that if the crowd sees the moment where Drago says, I fight for me, you know, and and, and I'll tell you something else. If, if, okay, we see them all there, they've all been brought in here and told to, to chat, to cheer for Drago. Right, right, right. Like if things start to turn and Rocky's in his corner and he sees Russian soldiers with machine guns at the doors. Right, right, right. Do you know what I mean? And like we realize, oh, there's more things going on. And if to yell Rocky is an act of rebellion. Yeah. You know what I mean? And he sees and like maybe he's going down and there's, you know, someone is going, come on, Rocky, you know, like a Russian and he makes eye contact and that helps him get up and yeah. then he's and then that starts to spread around and you see maybe they start to pull out out of the audience they grab someone who started yell rocky and they start to take him away and then people see that and there's and then they really start cheering rocky and the gorbachev guy goes okay we can't do any more military stuff cuz it's too big right. and then rocky says i saw a lot of change here tonight yeah right right because yeah. he saw change yeah, yeah. you know yeah. maybe even one of the drivers Maybe even the co the the pa- the what do you call it? the the guy in the passenger seat, who orig- initially was part of this whole thing of, of monitoring Rocky, maybe he's there at the fight. Maybe he becomes a, a character or a scene. Maybe he's got an issue with them watching Rocky like this. Maybe he's a fan, having seen the Rocky fights, so that when he's escorted out for cheering for Rocky in that moment, it carries more resonance for Rocky Balboa. So yeah, that that would be interesting. You, you know. You know what else you could do? There's the moment in Rocky where Duke is watching Rocky train yeah. and going, hey, Apollo, you might want to come take a look at this. If if one of the guys who are watching Rocky during the training montage yeah. hates him at the beginning yeah. and then halfway through, like part of the montage is him going, shit, look at this guy. This guy's mm-hmm. something. And, and then he's at the fight. Yeah. You know, that works also because when we see the montage of Rocky doing things when he's running or whatever, he's helping these Russian people like right. put their sled up. He's helping. Yes, he's, exactly. He's doing all these things that if you were watching him as a Russian uh, person uh, at the time or Soviet person, you might change your mind about him and about the idea of Americans being these selfish, whatever thing right. you, you, you have your opinion changed. So yeah, that totally could have worked. Absolutely. Well, and the other thing that you just did was Rocky's perception of the Russians is changing is changing as well yes if he had more interaction with people because because the other thing about the movie is like and i looked i think it's 54 minutes into the film is when the big training montage starts and then there's like maybe 30 seconds when adrian shows up and Mm -hmm. then that training montage is eight to nine minutes long (laughs) then we have introductions and set up you know before the fight and then we have the fight so it's like but montages and the fight is like 60 percent of the film yeah, you yeah. know, if you you could have had more things, Rocky meet some Russians. Yeah, you know, could have the robot it, be a part of it. Yeah, and the robot. <laughs> he could have brought the robot to Russia. The Russians aren't so bad. A <laughs> 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 whole conversation with a robot who also has all this information about Russia and the history of Russia. Is he perfect? Uh, anyway, um, let's see if we got any more Streamlabs of questions that have come through. Um, uh, Fantastic sent in another one. He says, "Hey guys." Do you think plunging the needle into Drago was a device to say the USSR could only be successful by cheating, making it look like that's the only way we can be beat? Ooh, that is looking deep into that shot. Uh, Go ahead. Honestly, I've always thought that. That, That's what I've always thought. Yeah, that this is just 
symbolic of look this is how the russians cheat mm. which is weird because you know stallone is taking a lot of steroids right at this moment oh yeah it's, it's ironic as hell isn't it yeah, yeah. But also, I remember, uh, you know, because this is still something that's been around with the Soviet Union and with Russia, uh, the idea of uh, steroids and doping. And certainly in the 80s, there was a lot of accusations about doping from the communist countries, especially East Germany with the swimmers and all of that. There was a lot of accusations, the weightlifting stuff. So through the Olympics in the 80s, the accusations against the Soviet Union and the Soviet and the uh, communist countries uh, was very rampant uh, for sure. Uh, and then recently, now that yeah. uh, it has become communist in essence again with Putin, uh, there have been evidence. There was widespread evidence of them uh, using. And there's a great uh, documentary called Icarus that you can watch on right. Netflix that kind of profiles how deeply and how systematic this doping situation was for the Soviet Union. So much so that when they competed in the games as past games, their flag was not allowed to be yeah. raised, but the anthem, I think, was allowed to be played or vice versa. It's something where either the anthem or the flag wasn't either seen or heard, um, even though they won. It's a, a, it's totally off topic, but I was yeah. just heard, heard some podcasts where they're talking about the idea that they should build a, um, a uh, bad guy Hall of Fame outside of the Baseball Hall of Fame at Cooperstown. <laughs> so you have a place for Barry Bonds and for all and Pete Roger Rose yeah. yeah all the people that were amazing baseball players and you could just go into this little museum before you go into the uh, yeah no, split the difference you they can you can see the first part of their career before they started using at the hall of fame and then the then the rest yeah. if you want the rest of the career you got to go to the other hall of fame I, I, know, I know we're off the topic but since you're such a sports guy i don't think i've ever asked you this question yeah, so yeah. Uh, should Barry Bonds be in the Hall of Fame? Fuck no. None of those guys who use it. I don't give a shit about, oh, everybody was doing it. Fuck off. Uh, to me, the fact that you are one of the great players, there's more responsibility. Brady Anderson mm. doing it for a season, as he did with the Orioles, uh, is an anomaly, and he'll, he's never going to get in the Hall of Fame. But you, as an already established future Hall of Fame player, right. while you were playing, before you started using – for you to take make that decision and then keep going and adamantly denying that decision, you don't deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. Mark McGuire lying in Congress. Oh God, who else was the other guy that lied in Congress? Sammy Sosa. With, Point, or, yeah, Sosa. Hey, there was another guy. It was a Latino guy. I forget his name. He pointed the finger and said, "I never used oh, Canseco? it." Canseco. No, it wasn't Canseco. It was another oh, okay. guy, uh, that, a little more respectable than Canseco. Yeah. But like it, it, it was a guy who was like very adamant, beloved. And if you guys remember, let me know. Uh, in the chat, but he was pointing his fingers that I never use steroids. And then two years later, all this evidence of him using steroids. So to me, anybody who used that stuff needs to be, it needs to never be in the hall of fame. The fact they even put their names up is an insult. And the fact that some of these baseball writers are like, well, everybody was using it. We need to, I'm so sick of people being like, we need to keep forgiving people for the mistakes. No, there's it's, it's okay to say he was a great ball player until he did this. Then when he did this, it sucked. And don't give me this pressure. Of, fuck that. You have a responsibility. And it, I think it's sullies, the people who didn't take that cheap way out, who didn't uh, waste our times with home run chases when we knew they were cheating, which is a bad sign to send to kids in America. And are you surprised that more people nowadays cheat to win uh, all across the world in every uh, arena um, when you don't consistently the vilify and excommunicate these people who cheat. And so for me, 
I hate it. So that's that's my answer. And the same thing with Lance Armstrong. I see people trying to um, massage him back into society. Fuck that. He should be excommunicated forever for what he did. It's particularly what you bring up that I totally agree with is it's particularly yeah. the blatant public lying. Yeah, yeah. It's the, it's not just the using. It's yeah. the of course I would never ever do this over. I mean Lance Armstrong for decades yeah. Yeah. was like of course I don't do that. Right. Um yeah, I mean it, I'm going to sue you if you say anything. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um yeah, that that that's where it gets to me. I, it's funny as and and I will not make this political although I have made this statement politically in the past, but <laughs> there's a di- there's all sorts of things you do playing a sport where you're pushing the rules. You yeah, know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Yeah, like course, there's a little bit of holding yeah. Yeah, there's holding on the line. There's yeah, yeah, you're yeah. you're getting a little physical in the paint. You know, you're you're what you're doing in the clench in a boxing match. That's right. part of the game. Yeah. And then there's things you can do that are actually breaking the game itself. Right. Right. You know, if 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 someone on first base went and just punched the first baseman in the face before yeah. running to second, well, we can't allow that to happen. Exactly. That's hurting the game. And I think the steroid use, it just ruins the game on so many levels. Yeah. Because um, then this person who's honest gets punished, you know? Yeah, right, exactly. Or gets swept up in the whole thing. I mean, Ken Griffey Jr., someone says, right, fantastic. I believe Ken Griffey Jr. never took his career path. Shows it. Yeah, exactly. Same thing with Cal Ripken. Cal Ripken never bombed out the stadium he played in for the Orioles, but he was an Iron Man. He never used yeah. that stuff. So the great players that never used that stuff, like Derek Jeter, Derek Jeter never used him. He stayed the same body frame the whole time he played. He never used, and yet he was still able to accomplish things. It was these other people who wanted this selfish desire to be in the spotlight. And I watched that recent 30 for 30 from a year or two ago with Sammy and uh, and McGuire. And the whole time, they're just trying to legitimize what they did. And I, and I was like, fuck you, man. I know there's a human story behind both of you for that. But don't try to like, massage it that you didn't do what you did. You willfully made these decisions own it and you don't you should remove yourself from consideration that's the honorable thing to say you know what i cheated and i want to be an example for the kids now i may never be forgiven for it by baseball but i don't want to be in the hall of fame because i don't want that to be reflected as something in my career for people to you know um go and celebrate well and you you just put your finger on the the, the what i think is one of the key things is like if you think about there's hundreds of thousands of high school athletes yeah, yeah. that filter down into many tens of thousands of college athletes that filter down into a very small number of professional athletes. Yeah. And like there's a, you know, 0.1% chance or something of going actually that high school athlete's going to become a professional athlete. Right. But right. they're getting offered steroids in high school. Oh yeah, high school. The, bro. Yeah. Right, younger than high school. They're getting well, offered steroids. But go ahead. And yeah. so someone with almost no chance of yeah. ever getting into the pros is fucking up their health in all sorts of ways yeah. because they, because all these people have the fantasy, like, Oh no, I'm going to be the one, I'm going to be the one who's going to play pro ball and you're not, but they're still getting offered steroids. Yeah. You know, yeah. agreed. Uh, JMB says again, you can tell the summer of Sosa and Maguire without putting them in a hall of fame. History doesn't get wiped out, but hall of fame is for the greats that were legit. Yeah. I never said you don't have to tell their story. Yeah. In, in fact, tell their story and be very clear about the fact that they pissed away their careers and getting into the Hall of Fame because they made this decision and gave in to the worst of parts of their nature in a selfish pursuit for entitled for a high, uh, spotlight for the spotlight. So for me, absolutely tell the story, no problem. But always, yeah. always make it very, very clear how terrible it was that they used steroids, so that you have a full picture of what these people did with their career. 
Um, all right, let's see if we've got any more. Yeah, so, but I never went as far as Steve did. And so maybe that's my fault too with Fantastic. This, this idea that, oh, this is the only way they can beat us. I didn't even think about that. So the fact that you thought that is really interesting too. Like I was like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Now when I hear Fantastic say it and you say it, but at the time I just thought, yep, yeah, they, they they cheat. This is part of what was going on in the 80s. So, Well, thematically, going back to the everyman thing, yeah, yeah. The, you know, Rocky is a quintessentially American mythos. You know yes, what I mean? Yes. He is the everyman who can take on anything and yeah. through his courage and heart and strength of will, he will prevail despite whatever the odds are. Right. I mean, that is classic American story, and that is certainly Rocky Four, definitely. Yeah. So now let's wrap up here because, you know, we're almost at an hour and a half. Let's uh, finish out our conversation here, Steve. What's your feeling now when you think about both the director's cut of Rocky Four and the original cut of Rocky Four? And do you think other filmmakers should go back and mess with their films uh, from decades past? Uh, in general, the only reason I think you should go back is if like, so if the studio forced you to change, ruin your cut, yeah. well then that's one maybe that we can address. We've said it over and over again on the cinephiles. Most of the time, these director cuts are just kind of cash grabs and frequently the director doesn't even like it. They're like, yeah. I wouldn't put this thing back in. Right. Um, I, I also go, I mean, frankly, for most directors, they have a relatively small peak. You know, mm -hmm. there is, this is the moment that you made good films yeah. and then you made 12 bad films. And so right. now after your 12 bad films, you think you're a, a director who can fix the really good film you made when you're at your peak. Yeah. I mean, like that doesn't really make sense. I mean, other than Spielberg and Scorsese and, and Kurosawa, there are not many filmmakers that maintain the level of artistry throughout their entire career. Mm -hmm. So in general, if you made a movie good enough that people loved it, yeah, leave it the fuck alone. You know. Yeah, yeah. I agree. I, I think 100% agree with Steve Morris. If you made a movie that's good enough that people already find that are in love with it and they're and it's become beloved, why mess with it? You know, do yeah. it as a DVD or Blu-ray release. Rather, don't go in there and do it and, and put it out in the theater. Or whatever. You don't need to do all that. And the, this cut, Steve and I both watched the document. It was a year in the making. They spent yeah. a lot of money on this cut. To and you know that Steve is an editor, like to clean up the film and to and to make it connect and fit thematically and also look wise to make it look like it was part of the original cut of the movie. So that that took a lot of money. Uh, so I was really surprised the MG that MGM was willing to do that. I was just super surprised for such an older film, you know. But by the way, I should have used uh, my old partner Mike Hoover's phrase for this, which I've which is filthy. So please forgive me, but his phrase for this is. How do you keep a heart on? Don't <laughs> fuck with it. That's true. That's very true. Uh, Paul said one last thing. Wants to ask us one last thing. Rank all the Rocky movies, including the Creed films. All right, let's let's wrap up by doing that, Steve. Oh, so, all the okay, movies. so I think what it is is you do your first three, and then I do oh. my three, and then we trade <laughs> back and forth, and then we make the the list between the two of us. <laughs> That's a different show. <laughs> What is your what is your ranking of these? All right, let me think about this. I don't think there's uh, even ten to do that from the shows, so, but what um, would be? Uh, one is easy because okay. it's Rocky One. That's the right. for me. That's the number one. <sighs> Creed might be second. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, now I have to think about it. Okay. Um, I put Rocky three third. Okay. Then Rocky two, I think. Okay. Uh, then I'm going to put Rocky Balboa. This is off the top of my head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
then Rocky Four. Okay. I don't know Creed Two and maybe Creed Two is better than Rocky Four. Uh, and and, and the, you know the beginning and the end's easy because it's yeah. Rocky Five is like, <laughs> in the end. I mean, I'm sure you do this all the time when you do the top ten show. Oh, sure. A couple that are easy. Oh yeah. How about oh. you? Uh, to me, yeah, I agree. With that. To me, it's like Rocky One, then Creed, then Rocky Four for me, then Rocky, then Creed Two, then Rocky Three, then Rocky Two, then Rocky Balboa, then Rocky Five. That's that's. I think that's all of them. I think that's all the ones that. Yeah, I, I think got. so. And the video game for those. Somebody brought up uh, the Rocky Legends game. I had that for the Xbox. Quietly, a fantastically awesome game. Where you got to fight Drago and Cree, uh, sorry, Balboa and Apollo. I'm sorry, uh, Clubber, Clubber and Apollo and Tommy Morrison. You got to fight all the people. This was before Creed came out. You got to fight, and you could fight them down in the warehouse, down on the docks, uh, in the ring. Uh, you fought new characters that they created for Rocket. That Rocky Legends, one of my favorite video games ever. You actually got to become Rocky Balboa. Uh, and go through the journey of becoming the heavyweight champion of the world. It was great. So yeah. you you know what might have that beat? What's that? Is you play uh, Creed on Quest VR, and <laughs> then you're actually fighting them and and getting exhausted and sweaty. Oh, I played that two years ago when I was still at Collider because we had it at Collider, and mm-hmm. I was sweaty after five minutes. That game is no joke. It'll no destroy joke. you. Yes. Hey, I got. I have two more questions. We, okay. I, I know we're out of time, but yeah. so what's your what's the best fight, and what's the best montage? Ooh, dude, that is tough because I love the montage from Rocky Two when she says "win." Mm. That's a great fucking montage. Before the running with the kids, that's a separate montage. I hate that montage, but the stuff with the kid, the stuff after she says "win." That's a great montage with the log on his back and the sun coming up as he's doing the push-ups. Um, but I think maybe Rocky Four, maybe the Hearts on Fire is the or yeah yeah because the war one is good where you're seeing both of the sides of it. But to me, Hearts on Fire is when he's like Adrian's back. Let's do this shit, and he's doing the jump rope and he's doing the whole. Which, by the way, I used to do when I was younger. I would do sure. the whole like back and the legs up and everything like that. I would do that and, and put my hands on the bench and think of Rocky as I did it. Um, so that's those are my two favorite montages. They're about tied for me, to be honest. With you. So I think in terms of montage technique, it's Rocky yeah. Four. Like that's just it's perfectly put together. Yeah. Uh, in terms of emotionally, the end of the final montage in Rocky. That like I'm emotionally oh. moved, right, but it's right, not right. It technically as good a montage. Fair enough. I'm gonna say a strange thing about the fights okay. because I don't think you look at the Rocky films for beautiful fight choreography. Hell no, hell no. Rocky Five, the street fight is a good fight. It's a good fight. It's the best part of the movie. It's yes, it's, the, it's yes. the only watchable part of the film. You you knocked him down. Why don't you try knocking me down now? My ring's outside. I love yeah. that. That's such a great fight. Uh, and there is a director's cut. If you've ever seen a director's cut of the fights, I, I have. Find it on YouTube. It's actually okay. really good. The director's cut is even more interesting. Um, and because he was supposed to die at the end of that fight, that was right. the plan, you know. So, uh, but my favorite fight is the Drago fight. It really is. Uh, as much as I love the Creed fights, as much as I love the Apollo fights, I'm sorry, the, uh, the Club Lang fights, 
it's the it's the drago fight that fight is so fucking good and i love that it's crazy no holds barred in russia picking each other up i love that duke gets involved and throwing a sponge at somebody and it's like all of it is good uh and i enjoy that and you get more with the trainer than you do in any of the other montages or any of the other fights we do get duke in the second film you can hear him you barely know the trainer in in club or in rocky three but in this one this russian dude is totally like you know all this stuff yeah. so i love that so yeah what's your other question or was that your two questions that was it those are the oh, two okay all right fair enough we had one more super chat that came through from jay mccall said mcmall sorry came in late just want to say the three best rocky songs are in four hearts on fire burning heart no easy way out hearts on fire survivors best song wow that's over eye of the tiger Wow. I, how can you beat Eye of the Tiger? I don't I, think you can beat Eye of the Tiger. I, that's just it for me. Although I like Hearts on Fire. It's a good cardio song. I do too. Yeah, sure. Steve, Steve uh, is the, the, would you say those are the three best Rocky songs? Um, <laughs> Getting Stronger <laughs> is certainly not. Yeah. It is such a... that We're talking about 80s cheese. That is 70s cheese, <laughs> that song. Um, No, the yeah. best Rocky song is the Rocky theme, is score. Yes, that period. is the best Rocky song. I agree. Conquest is one of the best Rocky cues in that score. I love Conquest. And, um, and uh, yeah, I would agree. And I, and I think it, save some love for Take Me Back. I mean, there's seven different versions of that throughout Rocky yeah. the franchise. So give some love to Take Me Back. That's a good song as well. But, yeah, those three songs are fantastic on Rocky IV. Uh, all right, let's wrap it up there. Thank you all so much for joining us. Please remember to hit a like on this video uh, and share it on your social media. When you share it on social media, you're telling people, hey, Cinephiles is a cool place to come and enjoy some stuff, especially because we're doing trying to do one of these every month live uh, and maybe suggest some stuff for us to do uh, through our social medias to let us know uh, what you'd like to see. Because these are films that we talk about that won't make the Cinephiles cut, but we know that people love these films and we want to have fun, interactive conversations with you all about them. Steve, where can they do that on, on our social media and what else do we have to tell them? So they want to follow uh, the Cinephiles. They can do it on Twitter at Cine underscore files at the Cinephiles podcast on Instagram. Of course, you can subscribe to the show right here on YouTube or on iTunes if you want to do the podcast thing. Uh, and you follow me at SR Morris. And if you like Star Trek, then Enterprise Incidents is my Star Trek show. And today, literally this moment, we just put out an episode on one of the most, I will say, the most exciting episode of the original series. And that is the Doomsday Machine. All right. Yeah fantastic great. episode of star trek great episode i agree a thousand percent uh you can follow me at the roca says on twitter and on instagram i have my own youtube channel as well youtube.com slash john roca says just crossed nineteen thousand five hundred. really really want to get to twenty thousand by the end of the year so if you haven't subscribed please go over there subscribe and hit that bell button so you see where we're dropping all the content don't forget the other podcasts i have the top 10 uh and the geek buddies out there for you all to enjoy as well um and we love you so thank you so much for taking the time to hang out with us we hope you enjoyed the conversation here and uh, if any of you knows uh, sylvester stallone or carl weathers show them this uh show them this uh episode i think they'll enjoy the conversation overall that we had about it they might see some of our points as well so we'll see uh <laughs> all right y'all take care of yourselves be well and we'll talk to you next time with another brand new episode of the cinephiles live for Steve Morris, I am John Roca. Y'all take care of yourselves. Peace.
BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C. Cashback is not available on gas in New Jersey and Wisconsin. Hey, good morning. You're heading to the airport, right? Yep, yeah, thanks for checking. I like the car. How long have you been a rideshare driver? About three years now, but I really enjoy it. Isn't it hard to make money these days with the price of gas being so high? Not for me. I use Upside, the free app that gives you cash back for every gallon of gas you buy. Wait a minute. Are you saying you actually get real money back when you get gas with the Upside app? Yep, I get real cash back every time I get gas. Does that actually add up to anything? I'll make around 200 to $300. Wow, that's serious extra cash. I'm downloading the Upside app now. Download the free Upside app now to earn real cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code CAR for an extra 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank account, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code CAR for a 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code CAR.